My name is Grant Harold, the Raw Butler, and you're listening to In Conversation with the Raw Butler, a chance for me to share my memories and experiences during my time as a butler and a royal butler, both on and off duty. Hello and welcome back to In Conversation with the Royal Butler. I'm having a little chuckle to myself because as I was getting ready to begin filming, my dachshunds were all in the garden as it's such a beautiful day. And I was thinking, do I get Shumbi to come along and join me again for this conversation? And I thought, no, I'll leave him alone as it's such a nice day. And guess what? I suddenly heard a noise at the door and there was Shumbi waiting to come in. So as I've said to you before, as soon as he knows, I don't know how he knows, but as soon as he has a feeling I'm doing filming, he's there. So I think he's he's destined to be a, a star of, of stage and, and screen. But anyway, uh, thank you, Strumba, for joining me. And also thank you to all of you for watching another one of these In Conversation with the Royal Butler. Now, I've been looking at your comments, as always, trying to respond to as many as possible. Thank you for those. Thank you for the likes. And thank you to all the new subscribers. I'm loving the messages from people that have obviously found the channel and been looking at all the other the other content, so thank you for that. But a lot of you are obviously quite interested as to why I became a butler and what the role actually involves. What, what is the role of a, a butler or a royal butler today? And I thought this, maybe this is a, a conversation to have today. So that's what we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna to talk to you about why I became a butler and please forgive me if I repeat myself because I'm sure in some of the other conversations I've touched on this and then I will obviously explain the role of a butler or a royal butler in the 21st century. So it all began from quite a young age. I was probably, I won't say I was in my, my, my teenage years and I always had a fascination with country houses and the royal family because my parents were very much, I don't know if I'd say royalists, but they, they respected and admired our royal family. As, as I've said before, as a youngster, we'd go up to Memorial Castle and other royal residences and hope to catch a glimpse of the royals. And my fascination or my love for history and stately homes and castles and all those kind of things go way back. I mean. I remember even as a five-year-old, six-year-old, going and visiting lots of Scottish castles and wanting to hear about the ghost stories and the secret passages and the secret rooms. And so these, these were things that, you know, from a young age I was really interested in. And I remember kind of thinking, wouldn't it be amazing one day to, to own a castle or, or a palace, nothing very grand about me, or, or a palace, and I also thought, wouldn't it be, or to actually be involved in the running or working in one of these kind of, of, of homes. So that was, that was my kind of dream. And then when I was probably, 
I want to say maybe about 15 or around about that age age group. I remember my careers teacher asking me what, what would I like to do? You know, do you want to look at working in, you know, would you like to be at work in a bank? Would you like to work in a post office? Perhaps in a garage? Perhaps you want to be involved with work that your father did. My father worked for British Gas. So there was all these kind of suggestions. And I remember sitting there going, well, actually, there's two things that I really love to do. And one is to become an actor, uh, because this was another passion. I loved the idea of acting. I even set up a drama school in my primary school. Uh, I loved the drama classes in the high school. So that was, to me, this was something I, I enjoyed entertaining people. I enjoyed making people laugh. And I saw myself maybe being involved in, in that role. And I should also quickly mention, I was also a member of the, the Adrian Coatbridge Operatic Society. I don't know how, I have no idea how that happened because I don't think I can sing. But somehow, uh, I think as they say, I, I cut the mustard and I got in. But as I said, that's, a, that's maybe a story for another day. So I said that, you know, acting was one kind of passion and the careers teacher kind of dismissed it and said it's it's such a, a tricky profession to get into, and, and which is true. I mean, even today, it's such a, a difficult profession, I think, for people to, to break into. And so I remember in this kind of large room at my high school, very comfortable room, actually, nice sofas and things, and we're kind of sitting there and I'm telling about these ideas of what I would potentially like to do. And all the booklets and the leaflets for all the normal jobs are on the table, on the coffee table. And after the, the idea of, of the acting, and she kind of, she didn't put me off the idea, but she kind of said that with it being such a difficult profession to get into, and she said, is there any other career that you would maybe like to do? So I had to think about this. And then I said, well, actually, I'd like to be a butler. And this was because I'd seen the movie recently Oh, I see recently, a few years maybe prior, about Remains of the Day, Downton Abbey, Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson, who were a butler and a housekeeper, and I loved this idea. I love the idea of being a butler in a private home. To me, this was just such an uh, such an amazing opportunity to have to be to be able to do something like that. So that's what I said I wanted to do. I said I'd like to be I'd like the possibility of becoming a butler. And the Korean teacher kind of looked down at her notes, looked at me, and I thought, wonder if she's going to cut some suggestions, recommendations. And she'd write, there's a couple of good acting schools. <laughs> and at that point, I realised, okay, the butler career is something that she does not think I'm going to have any chance in. And in fairness to, in fairness to her, there was actually very few but well I didn't know of any butlers but very few butlers at that point I think in the country some research was done by a television network and they said this is a few years ago and they said that in the 1980s late 1980s early 1990s they reckoned there was about 800 butlers in the UK and more recently that figure has been well I see recently a few years ago that figure was put at about 30,000 so I think it's safe to say that butlers are on the increase. and But of course, back then, that was not quite the case. And I didn't know of any butlers. I didn't know any. There was no kind of stately home, sadly, near where I lived. Any stately home near me had been demolished years ago. The only kind of house, there was an Airdrie house, which was the kind of big manor house of where I grew up. But that had long gone to make way for the, 
the, the hospital that now stands there. So there was no kind of big homes there. But anyway, I didn't let it put me off the idea. And what I decided to do was just to kind of keep focused on, I, I, I really studied at my acting. I, I carried on with my drama classes. And the butler idea was always at the back of my mind. And then when I was about, um, I want to say 17, 18, I left school. I, I left school before I completed my hires, which was obviously quite a, a risky thing to do. But m my parents knew that I was I was desperate to get out of school. Uh, you know, part of what I've not even discussed is I was bullied as a, as a child and it was quite unpleasant. And unfortunately back then, the, the high school in question didn't really do much about it. You know, this is a time when it was kind of, not accepted, but you know there wasn't much they did to stop it. That's that was my feeling on it. And anyway, so my parents were probably quite keen to kind of get me out of that environment, that kind of toxic environment. And when I was about seventeen, eighteen, we moved from Airdrie to a little town called Canusi. And immediately, the, the the kind of first thing I did was I thought, right, I'm going to write to all the kind of stately homes or country houses round that part of of Scotland and see if I get anything. And do you know, I wrote to, I can't even tell you, I wrote so many letters, so many letters, and sent them all off. And most of them sent me a response, but all the responses were not looking for anybody. I even went and had a meeting in Inverness with Savills, uh, who are obviously one of the big kind of property companies and kind of manage estates as well. And I went and met with them and, and they kind of, they were lovely to meet with me, but obviously it just, just wasn't going to happen and I didn't have the kind of qualifications to join their office or anything. And and do you know, I've kept every single letter, every single letter, every response that I had back, every single one, I've got them in here in a little filing cabinet, um, a ridiculous file full of them, just so that I always remember how difficult that was. You know, I think it's important and I say to people, you know, never give up. If you've got a dream or ambition, never give up, stick to that goal, stick to it. And I, I say this to children as well. I always say, listen to your parents, listen to you know your teachers, your lecturers, but if you've got a dream or ambition, stick to that. And it's possible, it's not possible, you can make it come true. I believe that. I, I believe if you've got a dream or goal, you can visualize it and make it happen. Well, look, my, one of my dreams was to dance with the Queen. And for those of you that have listened to the other conversations, know that that dream, that ambition, that wish came true. So if you can go to that goal, I think anything's really possible. That's what I believe. So as I said, I kept all these letters uh, just to kind of remember uh, how difficult it was. and But I didn't give up. I didn't suddenly kind of get disheartened. I, I just kept at it. And then eventually I, I changed my direction a little bit and... I got a job at the Newton Moore Highland Folk Park where I was taken on as a young apprentice. I believe I was 18, 19. I got my very first bit of PR there uh, because I was actually in the local paper as one of these apprentices. And I learnt about stone carving, wood turning and forest management. And the forest management bit I felt was quite important because one day if I got involved in a state or working on an estate, those kind of things would help me. So I remember thinking, well, this is a good a good thing to do. So I did it for about a year. And then during that year, my mother got a job. Luckily and amazingly, she got a job working at a private estate in Dobwini. And the estate was called Ben Alder Lodge. It was the summer of 97. You think I'm going to break into song there. 
And they actually offered me a, a summer job well, for a few weeks of housekeeping and just helping the housekeeping stuff. And I jumped to the opportunity because this was going to be working in a private home. And quite soon after uh, beginning doing this, this little um, job, within about a week, I think it was, or maybe it was two weeks, the family um, were coming up. And I remember being on the, the lawn, on the grass, with my mother and some other of my colleagues and my friend that I worked with. He um, he went on to become a minister, actually. But we were working together, um, learning or helping out that summer. And while we were having a little picnic lunch during our lunch break on, on, on the lawn, a private jet flew past. And I remember thinking, well, that must be the family because no other jet could fly past like that. And quite rightly, the, the housekeeper said, oh, that is connected to the family, but it's not the family. It's the, the staff will be the butlers. And I remember thinking, wow, butlers travel on a private jet. You know, this is really, this is really cool. This is why I want to be a butler because that's how we travel. And then about half an hour later, a helicopter came in. And again, I thought this might be the family, but no, it's not the family. It was the butlers. And I remember looking at mom saying, this is why I want to be a butler. Look how they travel. I should quickly mention, to this day, I still haven't been in a helicopter. But anyway, the butlers then came off the helicopter. I immediately went over and introduced myself to them, got chatting to them, gave them a hand to get things in. And then very quickly they discovered, I've got a dream or ambition one day to become a butler. And they said, would you like to work with us for a couple of weeks and just see what you think of the role? And I jumped to the chance. So it was very much, it was very much kind of jumping at the deep end because I had no idea what a butler did. I'd seen the movies, I'd seen Remains of the Day, I'd seen Upstairs, Downstairs. This is the days before Downton Abbey. So I had an idea, but not from a realistic point of view, more from what I'd seen on television. And the role, it was quite interesting because it was very much assisting the butlers and, and watching what they, they were doing. And they were kind of, it was, they were doing things from prepping meals, seven meals, looking after guests, seven drinks, um, you know, one one step ahead of, of everyone, if I can say that, you know, always kind of thinking ahead of everyone else. And it was really interesting, um, kind of observing them, watching them. And I was just very much, if I can say, a golfer. You know, they would just send me to do stuff, go for that, go for this, that kind of thing. But one night, they said, we're going to get you to help us with the service of dinner. And this was such a huge thing, because this was going to be the very first dinner that I had actually got involved with um, helping at. And I remember going in, I, back then I think I had a pair of black trousers, a white shirt and possibly a black tie. That was all I had. And they all had the beautiful, to me, these beautiful butler uniforms. Not tails, uh, but it was jackets and grey ties and white shirts and pinstripe trousers and beautifully polished black shoes. Mind you, my shoes were quite nicely polished, I should mention. Very good at polishing shoes. Anyway, so... The dinner service is, is taking place and I was given different little tasks to help throughout the meal. So I remember a couple of things about this one this one night. They asked me if I wanted to fill up the wine, white wine uh, glasses. Not fill up, so I top up the white wine glasses. That's what they asked me to do. They'd already done it and they'd asked if I would go around and top them up. And I was so excited because this is my first kind of, this is my first kind of role as a butler if you like. So I get into the dining room and there's this beautiful dining room, tapestry walls, 
panelled panelled um, around the bottom. It was all kind of beautifully panelled. It was all new. It wasn't old. It's the the house was built in the mid nineteen nineties. So it wasn't um, old, but it'd been done in an old style. So it looked it looked beautiful and. Only the finest things. There was even a chandelier in there, beautiful open fireplace, roaring fire, uh, beautiful big windows uh, that were, were because obviously it was the summer. It was it was still quite light, so we hadn't um, closed curtains or anything. And so I go into the room with the wine, the white wine, uh, my serviette in case there was any drips. And I now I'd been given instructions what to do. They very carefully opened the door and said, "You're going to start with." that lady on the right of the host and you're going to go right round the table and just top the glasses up. So it seemed quite straightforward, it seemed simple enough. I thought, what could go wrong? So I go in, I go around each guest and I do the wine. And my attention to detail, as I mentioned, is really important to me, so I wanted to get it just right. And nobody said anything because they're all having a great conversation, they're all chatting and joking and laughing Lots of, you know, kind of loud talking. So there's lots going on. And I'm just very quietly going around doing the wine. And I go back out the dining room, back into the butler's pantry. And the butler's pantry is where the butler's kind of, it's the hub. So the butler's pantry is where everything's kind of run from. It's where we keep the china, the glass. Uh, everything's kind of done from there. And that's where the service takes place from. Everything gets brought from the kitchen to the butler's pantry and then the butler's pantry into the dining room. And it was a swing. It was one of those um, kind of swing doors. Um, so, I go back in to the butler's pantry and I, I kind of was very pleased with myself and the butler said, was that okay? And I said, absolutely fine. I've topped everyone up. That should, that should kind of keep them going. And I think Simon was the butler's name. I think it was Simon and Kevin. And, and Mark was the under butler. And Simon said, very good, you know, well done. And then he gave me another little task to do in the butler's pantry and he quickly went to check the table. And then he comes back in to the butler's pantry and he looks at me and smiles and kind of does this. So I walk over to him and I said, you okay? He said, I've been a butler for about 20 years. And he said, I have never, ever seen a sight like this. And he said, I hope never to see it again, but I just want you to have a quick look so that you can understand my dilemma and hope that you never have to go through this again. So I thought, okay. Thought it's a bit strange. So we now, both of us peer, push the door open slightly, the swing door, and we both peer through this little crack into the room. And all we could see was all the guests, and there was about 24 of them, all leaning over the table to the glasses, sipping, the tops of the glasses. And when I say sipping, like that sipping kind of sound. And what had happened was when I was topping the glasses up, trying to be a very good butler, I had never poured wine in my life before. I had no idea about wine. And I just assumed that I should fill the glasses. And I filled the glasses to the very brim. So not overflowing, but to the very top of the glass. So nobody could pick the glasses up. So they then all had to lean forward and it was like a scene out of some comedy. Uh, I think to see it is the only way you could believe it. But there they all were doing the same thing, trying to drink the wine. And I I think the butler even said it's the first time ever that he actually thought he might have to offer straws. But luckily he didn't. It was fine. They they had a few sips and then 
uh, order was restored. And I remember the lady of the house later on saying to me, you know, well done, Grant, you, you were very good with the, the dinner service, but obviously um, the next time with the wines, maybe just a little bit less. So, um, and I, I did obviously apologise. I said, and they were really sweet about it. Not a problem, but what a lesson. <laughs> what a lesson to learn. So there you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever pour on wine, don't fill the wine glasses to the very top. You need to leave a bit of, bit of gap for people to pick them up. So I did that job for about two years. Amazingly, I, they, they kept me on for about two years and um, I learned a lot, as I said, about the kind of service of dinner when the family were there. When the family went there, I became an excellent housekeeper because that's what I did most of the time. So I'm a very good housekeeper as well. And at the end of the two years, I then got a position at Woburn Abbey as a trainee butler and then worked my way up to being a butler. But once again, I think that'd be a fun conversation for another day because that was a whole entire, another part of my career. And then eventually I got the job as you've heard from the other conversations through my interview with the Prince of Wales, I got a job working with the British royal family. So when people say, what is the job of a butler? What is the role? You know, what, what do you do as a butler? It's not, it's not an easy question to answer because if you watch Downton Abbey or you watch Remains of the Day or upstairs, downstairs, you see this very grand figure you see this butler who goes around uh, kind of taking charge of the house, looking after the guests, pouring wines, um, just making sure everything's running properly. When I say pouring wines, obviously at the dinner, that's all you ever saw the butlers kind of doing was the kind of wine, sometimes putting the odd course down. But that was obviously the junior butlers and the other staff. He would, he'd be there to oversee it. Those days have long gone. You can't be a butler today and expect to do a few things and then pass everything on to everyone else. I mean, in my career, I've had some amazing opportunities and I've run some amazing households. I mean, in my career, it has seen me um, run Woburn Abbey, home of the Duke and Duchess of Bedford. It has seen me on occasions running Clarence House, home of the Prince of Wales. Highgrove House, again, home of the Prince of Wales. Sandringham House, the Queen's private home. So, but each home has got its own set of rules. There's a certain way, certain ways of doing things. And what I mean by that is in your home, you've got your own rules. You've got your own, the, the way that you like things done. You've got the, the types of things you like. You've got right down to mules, the type of glass, crystal, cutlery, china. And it's the same with all these homes. They've got all their own different ways that like things done. And the role of the butler today, when you go into that environment, is to understand and learn exactly how that house functions. The things that don't change for a butler is the kind of things like, you know in the morning as a butler, you're gonna get up early and the first thing you're gonna do is, is either lay your breakfast or you're gonna be concentrating on getting the breakfast done. And also the calling trays, which is the very first thing you do. So you get the calling trays, which normally, uh, a calling tray is when you take coffee or tea and some biscuits to a bedroom in the morning. And that is something throughout my career I've had to do. 
And a call entry can be requested from, it can be any time, it can be from 7am, it can be earlier. I even know call entries that have gone to rooms at 6am. So a call entry would, would, as I say, it's just tea, coffee or biscuits taken to the room and then the butler's role would be to open the room up. So you'd open the, the curtains if they wanted the curtains open and just make sure it's kind of looking um, tidy and, and obviously they've got the call entry. And then it's getting back downstairs and getting ready for the breakfast. And what I tended to do in a lot of the kind of homes I worked in was, was lay the breakfast the night before so that in the morning I got the luxury of just kind of doing a couple of final bits and making sure everything's opened up because that's the other thing as well as the breakfast in the morning the butlers have to be kind of ready to kind of open up the house in the morning and that means opening the curtains checking that the cushions have all been plumped making sure that nothing's out of place the lampshades the right way the bulbs if a bulb's gone the bulb's been replaced if there's any mess in the carpet quickly make sure it's it's cleaned up whether you do it or you ask one of the housekeeping team to do it that's down to how the house runs that's We've got to work out the structure of how it how it takes place. I would tend to do things if if something needed done, I would do it myself. But but I also I was also aware that if there was a housekeeping department, I would liaise with them uh, because sometimes it was something that they had to do for whatever reason that may be. Then once you're sure that the house is kind of all opened and ready for guests or the principals or the family to come downstairs, then the role for the butler would then be in the butler's pantry making sure that everything is ready for the breakfast and the breakfast is all done and then making sure that there's, if there's hot plates that the food's in the hot plates or the orange juice is out, the teas and coffees are out, all those kind of things. And the papers, just to reassure you, butlers don't tend to iron newspapers today but it can still be requested and there is nothing nicer than an ironed newspaper. I have done this myself and it certainly is great for refreshing a newspaper. But once all those kind of tasks are done, you then focus on the people coming down and making sure they've got their breakfast and everything they want. Well, the breakfast is taking place, you're already thinking about the next meal, which would be, well, it wouldn't be a meal, it would be the Levenses, which takes place at 11 o'clock. So I'd be getting that tray ready, and that's just coffee and biscuits, or tea and biscuits. So I'd be getting ready for that for 11. So as soon as the breakfast is finished, I'm aware that I've got to clean that up, get the room relayed for lunch, where Bearing in mind, not forgetting, that I've then got elevensies at 11. The elevensies would then get cleared away, say, by 12, and then want to make sure that the bar is stocked and ready to go, with whether it be ice, lemons, limes, tonic waters, whatever it might be, I'd make sure the bar is fully stocked. I would actually do that in the morning, if possible, during breakfast. And also then, you've, you've also got to make sure that if you've got a dinner or lunch, that the wines have already been picked with the principal either um, possibly in the morning or even the day before so you're always a day ahead depends on the wines that kind of thing because some of them have obviously got to be kind of stood up obviously so there's all that to kind of think about and as I said you've got the pre-lunch drinks uh, which obviously the butlers would then serve and then you've got to think of making sure you're ready for the lunch to begin say at one you're then going to do the, the, the service of lunch between say one and uh, half two while still checking in the drawing room, for example, while they're having lunch, make sure the cushions are plumped and things are tidied, if you don't have a housekeeping department or they might be doing other things, uh, or even just going in and just casting your eye over and making sure that everything is perfect. And then as soon as lunch is done, you hopefully get a little break because you're then going to be, well, you're actually getting the afternoon tea table laid up 
um, as soon as the lunch is done and then hoping to squeeze a little break in because from four until six, you then get afternoon tea, which you'll, uh, I would kind of lay it all out for the hostess, the lady of the house, to serve the tea. The butler just puts everything out there. And then I'd be getting ready for the pre-evening drinks and make sure the table is has been relayed for dinner as well. So at some point I'm going to be doing that in the afternoon. And then after the, the, the afternoon tea, I'm then thinking about the evening drinks, which is just where you get the bar. If there's a bar, you have it all prepped and ready for guests to help themselves. And then from about 7.30, you're aware that you're going to be then be doing the pre-evening drinks while getting the dining room ready for the dinner that will begin at 8. The dinner will then go on to say to half past 10, so that's the service of the dinner. So it's the wines, the food, um, liaison with the kitchen, you know, there's quite a lot goes into it. And then after half past 10, you then, round about then, you're, you're doing coffee, tea and coffee, whether that's in the dining room or the drawing room, that's up to the, the host, the hostess. Um, it's what they want, want you to do. And then, then technically you're kind of finished, but you've then got to clear everything down, wash everything up, and then get relayed, which is why I do the breakfast in the evening, so that it's ready in the morning, and then you repeat the whole day all over again. And the bits I haven't mentioned is in between that, you're going to be running errands, it might be to pop to the shops to do something, it might be something to do with animals, maybe take the dogs for a walk if they've got dogs or, you know, those kind of things, something you've got to kind of think about, you, you've always got to be that, that's why you've always got to be a step ahead, because you've always got to know ahead, planning ahead so you know exactly what you're doing, so you're not kind of behind with anything, because if you get behind, then you've got a problem. Um, and luckily, I'm quite well organised, so I was always kind of ahead with everything that I that I did. I also haven't mentioned that some butlers also valet, and a valet is somebody that looks after clothes. So valeting would mean that I would look after uh, normally the gentleman's clothes. You've got a lady's maid, and a lady's maid can either be one of the housekeeping team or somebody that's employed purely as a lady's maid, and their role, uh, people get confused with a lady's maid and a lady-in-waiting. A lady-in-waiting is somebody that attends, um, is always in attendance of the Queen, especially on events and things, and does correspondence. A lady's maid is somebody that looks after clothes and personal items. So the Queen will have a lady's maid. Um, they, a lot of the families I've worked for over the years have got ladies' maids. The butler, if he is also a valet, you can, these are two different roles, and you can get valets as well as butlers. Uh, it's well known that members of the royal family have butlers and they have valets. But I did, as I've mentioned in a previous conversation, for the young princes, Princess William and Harry, when I looked after them, I would be a butler, but I'd also act as a valet, which meant I'd look after the clothes. And it was something I enjoyed doing. I love ironing. I love polishing shoes. I love doing it for myself. So I quite enjoy that. I find it really therapeutic. But once again, in those days that I'm describing, you know, you can see how busy it is. I'd also be doing the valeting sometimes in between that. So it's obviously folding clothes, um, laundering clothes, ironing clothes, putting things away. So it's quite, um, that could be quite a full-time job as well. But even though it seems a lot, as I said, if you manage it correctly and you plan in advance, you, you can keep on top of it. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you've normally got a household. So there's normally a team of people to help do these kind of things. So it's not just you. So there's a there's a team there to, to assist you. So that it means that you're, you've got, you can delegate jobs, which is what I used to, which is what I used to do. I also learned very quickly that 
when it comes to the kitchen side, you, you, some chefs can be, some, not all, some can be a little bit um, of very short fuses. And it's obviously because they're under, can be quite under quite a lot of pressure and they want things just to go right. And, you know, with things, when timings go wrong, which happens all the time, or you know, they're kind of best laid plans fall apart, they, they can get a little bit um, stressy. And one of the very first things I learned was don't ever upset a chef. If possible, don't upset the chef. But back when I was telling you about the wine incident, where I overfilled the glasses, I remember, and it, I don't think it was the same meal, I hope it wasn't the same meal, but it was around about the same time, it was certainly at the same point, it was it was during that kind of work experience uh, or that trial period, it's amazing about through that trial period. I remember um, having to take some puddings from the kitchen into the dining room and the chef had done this beautiful piped uh, chocolate square and then there was some I think it was cream within that and then whatever the, the pudding was and when I picked the plate up not really thinking about it I picked up too quickly and too probably kind of rough with the way I picked up and the cream just slightly went over the chocolate I had no idea that a chef could have such a temper but they do they can I suppose everyone can have a temper but anyway um, I did apologise, but he he said that I would ruined his masterpiece. So melodramatic, but anyway, he said I'd ruined his masterpiece, and uh, very quickly got some kitchen roll and and tidied it, and then I took it in. I didn't have the heart to tell him it happened again as I was taking it in, but I thought by that point there's no point in saying anything because it'll just just give him a, a heart attack. So I'll just leave it alone. Um, so I very quickly learned from that point that you know with chefs you've also got to be aware that it can. You know, as a butler, you've got to be very good. You've got to be a UN peace negotiator sometimes. Between all the different departments within these private homes, you've got to somehow, sometimes, you've got to be very careful how you, you make things. Just try to get everyone to go on. Easier said than done. So the role of the butler, as I've kind of explained to you, is very much that. And for people that say to me, but what is the role of a royal butler or a butler for an aristocrat? That is the role. That is, it, it is that simple, he says. It's the same across the board. It's no different from one house to the next. The only difference is how those homes are run. So whether it's Woburn Abbey, Highgrove House, Clarence House, uh, it doesn't matter. The, the role is very similar, but obviously, and they don't, I should also quickly mention, those meals that I mentioned, it doesn't always take place like that. It depends if there's guests, because if it's just a family of their own, they're not going to have every single meal that I've mentioned. Like you and me, they're obviously aware of of diets and, and what to eat and that kind of thing. So that's the extreme. Those kind of days are when, say, there's house parties or entertaining. So it can be quite thrown. And I also didn't mention that during those really busy days, you can also have what's, what's known as a supper, and that takes place even later. You know, that can take place from 9, 10 o'clock at night up until midnight. Um, and some families still have supper, or some people call it supper instead of dinner, just to confuse you. So anyway, so that's a, a kind of rough idea of what the, the role of a, of a butler is today, and even um, a valet. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. It's It's... 
obviously something that all of you wanted to hear about and I hope it's kind of answered a lot of your a lot of your questions. Now please keep the the questions coming in because I enjoy reading through them and and it's also fun when you give me suggestions. A few of you have given me some really good suggestions and I will certainly do my best to make those happen because I've also on a Wednesday at five o'clock got at home with the Royal Butler where I do little tips and uh, things around my home, give you ideas of how to do things and I'm going to continue doing that. And, and also the conversations that I do obviously every Friday at five o'clock. I've, I've got an idea of what I would like to talk to you about but at the same time there might be things that you would like to, you'd like to hear from me. So please keep the comments and ideas coming in and please keep subscribing because that makes it all worthwhile knowing that there's a, an audience there wanting to hear this this material, this content. And please keep liking, I'm loving those likes. And, and as you know, I, I always do my best to, to respond. I was also thinking that possibly next week I might do a Q&A. Now the only way I can do this is if you ask me questions. So if you want to, underneath this video, put your any questions, things that you'd like to know, whether it be uh, to do with, again with the word of butlers, royal, or even just etiquette in general, ping them over. If there's enough questions, then I will look at maybe doing a Q&A for you and that could be the next, the next one is just me answering, trying to get through some of your questions because it, it can sometimes be a bit tricky to answer them in the comments if they're quite detailed. So, so maybe that's an idea. But if you like that idea, post your questions underneath and if there's enough of them then maybe I'll do that. If there's not then I can always look at doing that maybe another another week. But as I said I'll see you on Wednesday at 5pm for At Home with the Royal Butler and I will see you next Friday at 5pm for the next In Conversation with the Royal Butler. Thank you for watching and until then stay safe.